Welcome to the Boardroom Podcast, presented by the Political Action Committee, People for a Better DeSoto County, with your hosts, Chad and Ben. We hope to give you an informative look into local government by having a healthy discussion about city issues, interview a few friends, and have a little fun. And welcome to the Boardroom Podcast. I am Ward 6 Alderman Ben Piper. And I'm Ward 4 Alderman Chad Wicker. And we are here again to kind of break down what's been going on in, in some uh, in some city uh, business, uh, what we've been up to uh, with the Board of Aldermen. And also we've got a special uh, guest as usual. Uh, but this one's a, a real a real special one. We have Supreme, uh, Supreme I would say. <laughs> a Supreme guest. That's well well played. Um, we, we're busting out the dad jokes here early. Uh, so we've got uh, Supreme Court State Supreme Court Justice Bobby Chamberlain, uh, who will join us uh, with his interview. I'm sure all of his answers will be well thought out and uh, and, and and wonderful. Uh, just just to hear more about kind of what that State Supreme Court does and you know how how all that plays out i guess at, the, at those levels should be good yeah he uh that's that's a very important position and it's, it's i guess it's a good thing to have someone in a position like that from the city of fernando and uh from DeSoto county i think he's the only one on the, the court mm-hmm. there that's uh from the northwest part of the state yeah i've been i've been meaning to ask him i think i know three people now that are on the state supreme court and there's nine total. I think it's, nine, it's three in each each district yeah. north central there's and nine south. T- so i need to know like two more if I can get two more, then I can just you do whatever. A, you I, can get an opinion. I can just do whatever, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I have free reign over something. I don't know. But, well, so let's jump into. Well, uh, we've been gone. It's been uh, three weeks now, I guess, since our last show. We, yeah, we had uh, wasn't able to put one out last week because we were in Washington, D.C. You want to talk about that, Ben? Yeah, sure. So we, uh, Chad and I, along with uh, uh, the mayor, Fernando, uh, went to Washington, D.C. for a congressional blue ribbon trip, which sounds very fancy, but really what it is is the mayors of all the municipalities in DeSoto County, along with some of their aldermen, traveled to Washington, D.C. to to essentially give some presentations to uh, Senator Roger Wicker, Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, and uh, Congressman Trent Kelly, and uh, Congressman Michael Guest, all representatives from Mississippi, uh, to understand more, what, you know, what are the needs of DeSoto County. It's one of the fastest growing counties that that uh in, in the state for sure and in the region as well what are what are our top priorities and what do they need to be focused on so the presentation's really centered around expansion of i-55 i think everybody can agree that that bottleneck uh when you're going from 10 lanes to four lanes coming out of memphis um into desoto county is a is a inhibitor of economic development currently but it's very expensive to get the, the interstate widened the way that it's being designed. I think it's four hundred million dollar project total. Yeah, is that right? I think that I think that's right. Uh, this you know the, certainly the state of Mississippi has chipped in on some of those things to kind of get some of the engineering and things done to kind of get the ball rolling. But it's really just it's a problem that's m- much too big for any of the cities in DeSoto County or even the county to to sort of handle. And the, and the county supervisors went up there as well. Yeah, so that's right. It was certainly a, a united front to see all of these. Uh, elected officials up there just say, hey, listen, this is number priority number one is the interstate. Is there any help that you can give us? So it was uh, you know, certainly a good trip. It gives you time to kind of network with their their staff members as well, because those those are the people that are really the hardworking people 
that do the research, that do the legal research, that uh, everything that goes into it. How can we make this happen? Um, is it is it legal for us to to fund these projects? You know, whatever it might be. Um, we learned that uh, uh, Senator Cindy Hyde Smith is on the Appropriations Subcommittee, which is important for mm-hmm. Mississippi. So, uh, hopefully, she can assist us with getting some uh, funds for some of the projects we asked for the interstate. Um, the sewer for Horn Lake and South Haven. Um, I think Olive Branch is looking for some stuff with their airport. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I was. I, this is a. It was interesting uh, to find out that Olive Branch is the busiest airport in the state of Mississippi now. That's right. Believe it or not, they're the busiest airport, and that's because they have three flight schools there, which I was not. Aware. I knew they had one. Right. Uh, they have three flight schools there, so they're doing over eighty thousand operations, which. An operation is a takeoff or a landing, um, 80,000 operations a year. Uh, all their hangar space is completely taken, and they have a, a long waiting list for, you know, whether it's private or uh, businesses that want to come in there and, and have more hangars. So uh, I think they were asking for $4.9 million to, to try to help uh, get that going out there. But <clears throat> So that was exciting for Olive Branch for sure. But here in Hernando, we were looking for – some federal funding for expansion of sewer to the Green Tea area. Uh, that was one of the areas that was annexed in in 2007. That's right. Um, still no sewer in that area. Much of Nesbitt still doesn't have sewer. That were the city's kind of taking some steps to to work towards that. Um, but but there was a long period of time where there was just no just seemed like there was no way to get progress going in that direction to get to get sewer and get basic city services extended to people. So it is good to know that it looks like the, I think Senator Wicker's office is going to be working to try to, to try to make that happen, try to figure out something. Yeah. I think that's about 2.9 million uh, to get sewer in there, I believe is what we're asking for. I think it's a stag grant. Is that what it was called? Something like that? Yes. It certainly is something where it was fun to see the nation's capital, of course, uh, see the Washington monument, see the, see those things and be a part of the process a little bit, but yeah, we, it's a we necessary kinda, thing yeah. as well to kind of to to go up there and and see people face to face and say, hey, look, here's a whole group of people. What thirty yeah. people in the group? Uh, over thirty, yes, over sir. thirty people in the group, and we're all saying, look, this is the biggest problems that we have. Can you please help us? And I think it shows a lot about the other mayors and aldermen and supervisors in our county that we all come together and ask for the same project, even though like I fifty five expansion doesn't really have an effect for Olive Branch or, or mm-hmm. the City of Walls and really not really for Horn Lake either. And But they they know that's important to, to their community as well as ours, so they're willing to sacrifice some of their stuff and help us get that done. Because if we ever get that expanded, it, it'd be a game changer for Hernando it, to open up that road and ease the congestion there at, at um, Commerce in, in 55. So um, well, I think ultimately, you know, not necessarily as much for Hernando, but, you know, for South Haven, they feel like it's to the point where, they they can't allow more business and more commerce to come to the South Haven community because there's so many so much congestion problem so many congestion problems there. Yeah. So it's really becoming something that's inhibiting you know economic growth for for their city. Um, I don't think we have that issue here. Yeah, um, but on a, da- a daily basis, you see you know I fifty five is a parking lot go you know go down fifty one because it of is. an accident. Um, it's just so much traffic coming through that area, and it just. It should have been done 10, 10 years ago, in my opinion, and, mm-hmm. and just hasn't. So uh, we're playing a little catch-up, but I think we're going to get it done. We, we got $25 million from the state this year to start doing the engineering on it, and so mm-hmm. hopefully uh, we can uh, you know, keep moving forward and get some money from the, uh, from the federal government to help along with the state to keep improving our community. So that kind of wraps up sort of what we were, what we were doing in Washington, D.C. And you see Joe when you're up there? I did not see the president, Joe Biden, <laughs> when I was up there. I, did, I didn't go to the White House. 
uh, no interest in that. Um, was just not not uh, not wanting to do that this this time around. We went to we went to some museums and and uh, enjoyed that, but that was one that we didn't uh, didn't check off the list this time. You know, it was a a great experience, and 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 again, seeing everyone working together to try to you know affect change in their community is is a good thing to see. So it was it was good. What well, you want to so, talk about next? You want to talk about the board meeting from a couple weeks ago? Yeah, I think we hit a couple of high points there. This is, I mean, I think this was a <clears throat> very important meeting. It's something that we approved that uh, I think has been a long time coming. Um, but first, let's kind of talk about what we, uh, what else happened. Um, the consent agenda was pretty, pretty basic. There was uh, some money there for a uh, uh, the city app to continue funding that going to have a pickleball clinic at the city tennis courts but i guess the 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 most important thing we need to talk about will be the um purchase of the civic center property from the i guess it's the civic center association made up of the three clubs the rotary club uh the uh, lions club and the saddle club that's right you can talk about that a little bit sure so uh about i would say maybe a year ago yeah, we've been working on it now maybe 18 months. I mean, it's, yeah. it's been a while it's, since, we, since we first got elected. It's been a while. Maybe late 2021, uh, early 2022. Some of the some of the leadership from these groups came to us and, and were willing to kind of get into some talks about uh, selling this property to the city. And uh, it's something that is, is, is uh, again, something long overdue probably that should have happened a while ago because it's one of the main issues as to why when people say, hey, how come our fields look like X, Y, Z, or we can't do, you know, why is there not new lighting out there? Or, you know, we need the parking lot paved or uh, the bathrooms are in terrible shape. Like, so the reason why the city could not necessarily make significant capital improvements out there or do significant construction projects is because the city didn't own the land, plain and simple. You couldn't use public funds on private property. Uh, So the the city's had a lease with uh, these three groups for, how many years? Twenty I, years. I think the city took over the operations back in uh, two thousand nine, ten. Frame, okay, so fifteen years, something like that. Oh. And it's just, you know, to for this board, it's something where this acreage combined with the acreage of Renaissance Park uh, that goes all the way to Highway fifty one. The city now has over a hundred acres of conti- con, uh, contiguous. Is that the right word? Know, that, must be a, that must be a Georgia word. I don't know about continuous. I don't. Yeah, that's a. I don't know. I, I, it's <laughs> continuous, contiguous. I don't know. I, 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 you know, whatever. Uh, basically, a massive over a hundred acres of of land there that goes from Robertson Gen Road all the way to uh, Highway fifty one. Not many cities our size have, you know, a, a potential uh, canvas to uh to to create a park complex off of that of that size now the the old fields there's going to have to be some discussion around what do we do with these now uh are we going to you know try to move them and you know fit with the master plan that we have that we've seen before um you know there those are certain some certainly some questions that have to be asked there's a the funding mechanism of of getting them all in place but the big things you know lighting parking you know, restrooms, some of those things that we wanted to address those, I think, as quickly as possible. Right. And and so like like Ben mentioned, everything out there uh, was either fundraised for or donated over the years uh, since I believe the clubs have had that land since the early 1980s, I think, or maybe even longer than that. But everything you see out there, like I said, was fundraised for or donated. 
uh, over the years, and it's just time for the city to take it over. And and uh, I think we're gonna we plan to annex that that property, get in the city yeah. limits, so our police can legally you know arrest people out there and so forth, and start you know to start you know because our, our referendum for the uh, pennies for the parks. Uh, or coins for kids or whatever tourism tax uh, was not successful uh, we don't have the additional revenue we need to do some of the big changes we want to do so we're just gonna have to piecemeal it piece at a time and, right. and, and uh, work work our plan into what we have and uh, we'll make it work you know we, we have to work with what we got and um, you know the lighting is a big issue there I will say I've been playing on uh, field five which is on the other sides where our five-year-old baseball teams and playing those fields there have, have, have done pretty well this year and I didn't play down I hadn't played down on the I know. I think it's field one. the The all dirt field is 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 one that's always had issues. Even when I worked out there years ago. So, um, I think the board did make some uh, improvements back in two thousand seventeen or eighteen. I think they took out a little bit of money and did some some dirt work there. But we're going to sit down with with uh, you know our parks director and uh, maybe engineer and, and look at those and look see what we can do to uh, make those fields the best they can be and and, and uh, move forward. There's some important things to note here. I think as well as just the the purchases being made it'll be built in the next year's uh, that's right in the yeah. next the next 20 budgets basically where there'll be a payment made to these groups uh once a year for for 20 years yeah um, the, the the price was seven hundred ninety thousand. yes finance over 20 years with three percent mm -hmm. interest yes uh, and we'll make a monthly payment to them every, every month starting november 1st um and we'll you know we can't pay it off early uh, mm -hmm. if we get some money and there is there is a clause in there that if we do I make significant improvements, which I think we kind of defined as, you know, a couple million dollars or something like that, a, a huge improvement there that we have to pay out the Saddle Club, uh, which is theirs is 130000 of the of the 790 I think. Is, mm -hmm. is that right? Something like that? Mm -hmm. Well, it, in, and the main reason I bring up that point about the it spread out over a period of time is that that's something that the city can budget in without having to do a tax hike necessarily. And so that's something the the current budget can absorb. Uh, the maintenance and repair of that facility is something the city is already paying for, so that won't be any kind of necessary hit to the budget. Uh, and then what the board will have to do is really just prioritize what's the most important things that we need to be working on out there. It is going to take some time, uh, so people will have to be, you know, a little patient as we as we try to improve things out there. But I think our, you know, the, the guys working the fields out there, the guys that are uh, doing all the maintenance work out there, the, all, the, all the people in that parks department have, have put in a lot of time and effort to try to get them as good as they can for this season. And there's also just been a lot of work. You know, from the nonprofit groups, the Friends of Hernando Sports, That's right. uh, to try to to raise funds to 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 make things better. I know that they've volunteered a lot of hours as well, and they should be commended as well too. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, so that kind of wraps up that 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 deal. We we um, like I said, approved to purchase those properties. I guess I need to mention that uh, the sat the Hernando Saddle Saddle Club will keep a I think ten acres, and they'll have a separate entrance uh, with the DeSoto County's building a road through there to put a tornado siren on that and i guess it'd be the south southeast part of that property um i think that's right uh and they're going to build a road there uh, and the saddle club is going to utilize that road uh to get into there so they have their own little entrance is, yeah. it, is it southeast southwest, or southwest southwest, southwest okay. part of the right yeah from robertson general right yeah, right so and it but, is an exciting thing it's, a, it's yeah. i mean it's a, a you know it's an exciting thing to happen you know it just opens up it opens up that property for the city to be able to do something with it and and you know you know, certainly, I think that, you know, the future is bright for that. Absolutely. And, um, well, we, you know, that is something that has kind of been in discussion and talks for probably 20 years or more. I think uh, Mr. Miller, when we uh, talked about it at the meeting, 
he he had talked about something about a touchdown or some handing the ball off or something like that. Uh, he was making an analogy. I think he was talking about that. You remember that Super Bowl? Yeah, they they threw the pass. They, super, they threw a they threw a pass on like first and goal or the, the one yard line, and they got, they got it intercepted. And Tom Brady and the Patriots win the Super yeah, Bowl. I, I think he was trying to say that you know we we got so close now we got to get in there and score and so yeah. Uh, and I think we did. I I've, I've, I've had a lot of positive feedback from the purchase I of that to. property and. This goes into the next thing we talked about right after we approved to purchase this uh, property. Andrew Miller um, made a suggestion, which is, I, thought, I thought was a great idea, is put some what I call hotty toddy potties. I don't know what you call them, Ben. Uh, the little they're fancy. Yeah, the little. Uh, <laughs> they're nice. They're very nice. It's better than like the, the porter potty trailer. Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's a, the trailers that have multiple multiple stalls. I think in them, and you know, it's definitely a far cry from what we had uh, when I was growing up in the parks. We would just have those. Porta potties out there. That's right. Uh, you know, between the fields or whatever, you had to make sure nobody was nobody was mean enough to put a stick, you know, in the door and, and push you over or something That's like right. that. That was that was the that was the worst thing you could have happen to you. But um, yeah, so these are super nice. They're uh, I think twelve hundred dollars a is it twelve hundred dollars a month? Yeah, that's I think that's right. Twelve hundred dollars a month for these trailers to be I out think, there. Didn't but, we have a citizen who's going to volunteer to pay for the first month? I, I did. I did get that text message from a, from a citizen who was going to to donate that money, and so we'll just have to check on that to see where yeah. that's at. But you we, know, it's we really appreciate that. But anybody that wants to anybody that wants to donate to that cause and and provide something like that, you know, we, we're people are so generous and so gracious in the city of Fernando. Um, I've, I'm always impressed by it. People can always come together when it you know when it matters and when those uh, when those things are needed. But it should be a it should be a nice uh, feature for. You know, the baseball and softball parents that are going out there and the grandparents and everybody else just to have a clean facility uh, to be able to use in the interim while we work on a more permanent fix. Yeah, well, you know, I think when we had Jeff Fitch on here several several weeks ago, he mentioned that when he was in high school, he helped build those concession stands slash right. bathrooms. That's right, that's so, right, that's right. I remember yeah. that. I remember that. And so they've been there quite a while, and they've been kind of an eyesore. They, I know there's been some plumbing issues. And and so these these will let people, you know, use be able to use the bathroom in a in a area that's clean and secure. And so... Uh, I think it was a great idea. That's a big one. So what else? What else did we? Uh, what else did we cover in that first meeting? Let's see. Month? So we got the Civic Center ballpark out of the way. We we signed a MOU with uh, DeSoto County uh, for some sewer. I think they are building the Agri Center slash. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. Uh, National Guard Army there on Star Landing Road, and a little piece of that goes into the city of Hernando. And so we were uh, agreeing to allow them to use some of the sewer easement, I believe, uh, Ben. So, and we signed a contract there. And then probably another thing that took a little bit of time, and this is up in your neck of the woods there, the Ward 6, um, discussing um, the Soda County Schools uh, using uh, traffic control for mm-hmm. why they build the um, uh, Hernando High School there. Right. Um, so if you uh, are, if you have gone up McInville Road, you go, you go over 269 on that overpass there, keep going north, there's the new Hernando High School that's being constructed. Um, it is going up very quickly. I mean, the, I mean, the cinder, there's cinder block walls up there um, now. And what we've done is really closed down that right lane uh, just with all the, with truck traffic, with everything else that's kind of coming and going. It was really the most, I think the safest thing for everybody. Uh, but we will eventually be paving that section of uh, Mackinville as well. Um, and hopefully we can time that out right with, with some of this heavy equipment to be able to make sure we get the best bang for the buck for everybody. And Ben, I can't remember uh, how many trucks did they say they were coming through there a day while they're, while they're bringing the, bringing dirt in out of there. I think it was 200 a day. Was it something like that? <clears throat> that? That sounds, that sounds about right. Now I don't know if it's, Man. I don't know if it's currently like that or if that was more, 
when we when they first got started. But it does seem like there's a lot of coming and going from there. I mean, yeah, it's, it's right. an eighty-five million dollar high school. Um, you're going to have a ton of brick. You're going to have, a, and there's going to be a lot of materials that have to be brought onto that property over the next two years. You know, so I'm I am hopeful that we can eventually open it back up. But right now, that that part of Mackinville does not have as much traffic as other parts of Mackinville. Clearly, and we plan to pave that. Um, I guess I guess sometime this year before. Uh, the end of the year, didn't we? Didn't we have some funding in there to to, to recover? Yeah, Macken there Rail? is there is some funding from the MPO grant from the MPO. Um, I don't know if it has to be spent by a certain time. I mean that that would be a that'd be a good question to to ask yeah. about. We can certainly check in on that. Well, as far as the meeting concerned, I think that was really kind of the last the last issue. What else is going on, Ben? Well, Chad, we've got the A Fair coming up. Big uh, A Fair, man. The Arts and Crafts Fair on the uh, the town square, the historic town square here. We, we, we took a bet. Ben's running in the 5K, and uh, he, he <laughs> thinks he's going fin- to finish in the top three of his age group. Right, Ben? There's no way that will happen. No way that will happen. Unless, I, unless I'm able to like ride a bike in the 5K. I'm not running a, I'm not running a 5K and finishing the top three in any age group. You can do it, man. Not the top three. I think there's. I know some of the people that are in that age group. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not beating those people. Uh, I don't go to the gym that often, but I go often enough to know I'm not not finishing that top three. Yeah. But well, the, 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 the just so everybody knows, a five k kind of kicks off that event at I think eight. I think seven thirty. You register eight o'clock. You run. Since Ben's not going to do it, I'll do it for Ben. Um, so I'll. Be I'm there. not saying I'm not going to do it. I'm just saying I'm not finishing the top three. But that's always a great day. There gonna be you know hundreds of vendors. Selling different things. I always buy a little uh, wooden carving pen. pen. I, mm-hmm. I, I have several of those I've gotten there, but it's a great thing. It's just another another highlight of our town that happens every year. And the great event the Optimus Club puts that on. Uh, it's I a think, lot of work. Yeah, and I think it's their biggest fundraiser. And I think one of my favorite one, my, one of my favorite uh, years. I think it was twenty twenty one. 2021. 2020, it like canceled because of all the all the craziness going right, on. Yeah. You know, and then twenty twenty one came, and there were so many. Everybody was so sick of. You know, being indoors, you know, keeping your distance, like all the all the stuff, right? Just all the all the mess, right? And it was there were so many people that came yeah. down uh, for it. It was it was a lot of fun that year, uh, for sure. There's there's musical acts going on, including uh, the Oak Grove Central Elementary uh, Choir, which my daughter's in. Yeah, you're so a little super, biased on that group, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, super excited about her getting to sing the national anthem. She's been uh, she's been listening to you know Whitney Houston's version of it, and I'm like, listen. You know, it's okay if you don't sound like Whitney Houston. That's a that's a that's a that's tough right. uh, yeah, that's a tough bill to to follow there. But she's uh, she's super excited about it, and um, you know, my family always enjoys it every year. Um, it's one of those things that you know. This is why you move to a small town. This is why you want to live in a small town. It's for these fun events like this. Uh, they're family friendly. You know, it's just a it's a it's a, it's always a really good weekend in Hernando. Pork rinds, pronto puffs, all of it. So we got pork rinds this year. Oh, oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, you I can't, remember. Whew. What's your favorite kind? And I think last year we got the, uh, they were making the salt and vinegar pork rinds. Uh-huh, Have you tried those? Uh-huh. Those, are, those are pretty strong. That's a strong contender for the for the, for the the my favorite. But okay. I like just the regular hot ones too, but the salt and vinegar was pretty strong. I think I got. Uh, As my son says, that hits different. It hits different. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, my, I, I, we go ranch in our. our I got you. Okay, we go ranch, ranch in our family, so right. those are really good. Um, so yeah, I forgot. I forgot about that. But, yeah. Um, we'll definitely have to. Swing be, by I'm that sure day. to be full of uh, political candidates. You know, as we're kind of right gearing up in the middle of uh, election season, a lot of 
lot of local races, so I'm sure you'll see some political candidates there and, and all that. So, and on that on that front, because I'm sure you're seeing more signs go out and just all these things um, as you're driving around Hernando, the Republican primary uh, for a lot of for most of these positions that happens in August of this year, August eighth. August 8th. So you ha- you have at least three more months of seeing this stuff and kind of, you know, probably seeing more signs go up and see people kind of, poli- you know, politicking around and, and doing their thing. You and I have both been in th- right. in those shoes. And, uh, you know, it is something where, you know, putting your name out there and, get- and putting yourself out there is something that takes, you know, so- uh, some amount of courage to, to put yourself out there. So certainly you want to just, you know, if people, people ask for you vote, you know, just Give them, give them some consideration. Give them give them a, uh, thirty seconds of your time and uh, and hear them out. And then I, I know I think you Ben, you know you're like me. I think you know a lot of these guys running. They're all fine people, and uh, we're very fortunate to have people who, like you said, are willing to stand up, put their name on the ballot, and 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 try to influence their community in a positive way. So I, I congratulate those guys, and hopefully, uh, you know, be a good clean election, which I think so far it's been. And um, you know, the best man wins or, or woman. Some races. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, so A Fair should be great. Memorial Day weekend coming up uh, yep. later this month. So, and then we'll be in the heat of summer. Uh, so, we we do have a really special guest uh, coming up in a future episode. State Auditor Shad White uh, was confirmed to be one of our, um, our our future guests there. So, we will have that uh, for you most likely in the month of June is when that episode will debut. So, be on the lookout for that as well. But for today, today's guest. State Supreme Court Justice Bobby Chamberlain. Let's bring him in. He's our special guest for the week. That's right. Sounds good. And we're joined by State Supreme Court Justice Bobby Chamberlain. So do I need to, is it your honor? Is it Bobby? Is it Justice Chamberlain? What's the, I'm sure you've been called all kinds of things. (laughs) Oh, I've been called all kinds of things. Uh, (laughs) And I answer to almost any of them, but Bobby will be just fine for the interview. (laughs) All right. (laughs) That's great. Well, so, uh, what we try to do with uh, with the podcast, like we we sort of told you before, is that we uh, we we try to educate people on what your role in, in government is. Um, so, can you talk a little bit more about that? About my position? Yeah, just about your position as a, on the state supreme court. Well, as a member of the supreme court, there, there are nine supreme court justices, and our job. Uh, I previously served as a circuit court judge, which right across here at the courthouse where we would hold trials on the Supreme Court, what we will do is review what's occurred in the trials, determine if errors have been made, review laws for their constitutionality. The same thing that the United States Supreme Court does at the federal level, uh, a misunderstanding a lot of times about what we do. The Mississippi Supreme Court is the court, basically the court of final resort Mm -hmm. for trials in Mississippi. You can Ask for the U.S. Supreme Court to hear it, but it is very, very rare. Okay. So, and it, it breaks down. We, we talked about it a little bit earlier. There's three justices for each section of Mississippi. You have a, nor- a north, a central, and a south. That's, right. that's correct. Okay. And then the, the, the terms are staggered. So, everyone isn't, is, is that, so. It, it, yes. Is, they're, is they're, it they're real staggered. complicated then? They're not staggered perfectly. For example, two of us in the North will run at the same time right. in the next election and in the last election. But yes, they are staggered so that you, you only have uh, three or four coming on at one time and then the others overlap. All right. So on a on a on any given year, I mean, how many how many cases are y'all 
hearing or what or what does that look like is it does it differ every year i'm sure it does it does and especially you know the covid years we had a, a lull because courts weren't um you know some of them weren't holding court at one time and now we're getting ready to get the glut of cases that has come up for making up for all the missed covid cases but i you know i really couldn't tell you the exact number i, I think about my docket and i mean i think each justice will be in charge of several hundred cases a year and uh, in various forms or fashion. And then so the entire court, you know, you kind of do the math. And then is there, so is there a staff that you, that you have there or is it just, is it just you or what does that look like? We have a staff. I have a, what's called a judicial assistant and she handles uh, most of the office work and, and uh, managerial, well not managerial so much, but uh, paperwork and, and some of those items. And then I have two law clerks who sometimes they rotate because they're usually young lawyers that have just gotten out of law school that are wanting to kind of get an opportunity to work for Supreme Court justice and, and do it for a year or two. Some of them do it for much longer, but then those kind of rotate. And what made you, I guess when you're you're thinking back through it, what made you want to to do this, I guess, to serve in this way? You kind of you have like a, a life of well, service. I, th- I, think, I, have, I think we haven't we, gone through the whole background. But <laughs> yeah, I think we need to start. I mean, I, I think, Bobby, you started out as an attorney in Hernando, and I believe you're a city court judge at one point. Right. If you want to kind of talk about your background there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, first of all, I guess the, the, the start to the answer to your questions, when I argued so much as a kid playing sports <laughs> in the backyard, my mom said I needed to be a lawyer. I like to argue so much, and, and I really don't like to argue, <laughs> but I guess I... Or at least I didn't think that I did. Uh, but I grew up, like I say, I grew up about two blocks from here, lived my whole life in Hernando, Hernando High School, went to Northwest Junior College, got a history degree at Ole Miss, law degree at Ole Miss, got out and went to work for um, what was Austin Law Firm in the building right here on the That's square, right. working with uh, Billy Myers, Mary Monteith, uh, Bill Austin, and Debbie Brown. After that, I ran for the state senate. Uh, well, no, I'm sorry, before that, I was municipal judge for the city of Fernando for seven and a half years. Back then, I know you look at y'all's court docket now. Yeah, and you're yeah. kind of like, what, man, you were what y'all have court once a month, maybe? We, we, no, no, we we had it once a week, oh, okay. and we were busy, but nothing like uh, yeah. what 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 you have now. Did that, and I'd gone into practice. Tony Nowak and I had opened a law firm together, and after seven and a half years in 1999, I decided I was going to run for the state senate. Did that. Uh, served in the state senate for five years, and then Governor Barber appointed me a circuit judge. It, which I served for 12 years through um, a couple of elections, uncontested elections, thank goodness. And then in 2016, ran for the you know, uh, the state, not United States, the state Supreme Court. Uh, my reason, and to get back to a long answer to a short question, I, I've always been interested in law and I've always been interested in trials. And as an attorney, you know, when you get to be an actual attorney, sometimes you don't find you get to do that as much. And that kind of led me to my desire to be a judge uh, and the best job I'm ever going to have was circuit judge here at the DeSoto County Courthouse. Uh, but after doing that for 12 years, I thought, hey, I've got something to offer. And it's it's a little selfish if I don't at least try. And uh felt like that my experience, and I'm the only former circuit judge currently on the Mississippi Oh, really? Okay. Court. And yeah. I felt like that there needed to be someone with that kind of experience that's actually tried these criminal cases, tried these lawsuits and, and done type matters. And so that's what kind of, you know, the judgeship was because I like trials and I like being in there where the action was. And then I just kind of felt like it was time to maybe give this a try and then see if the people were willing to allow me that opportunity. So the state Supreme Court differs from 
I think most people think of the Supreme Court, the the, the United States Supreme Court, where Life, you're, lifelong you have a lifelong appointment, right. and you can you can serve until you until you pass away or what. This is not that. This is every you uh, you have to be elected and then you know, reelected and so on. And not so nonpartisan forth. elections. Nonpartisan elections. So yeah, it's it is definitely uh, you know I, I I really I appreciate it because it is something where you're able to say you know based on whatever decisions are being made. Um, this person is representing, you know, whatever the values are for Mississippians or values for North Mississippians or Central Mississippians or South Mississippians. Um, and this is, you know, someone that we want to continue to, to make these final judgments uh, in a lot of these uh, you know, cases. So it, it is something that, that I, I don't know if every state is set up the same way. I doubt it is. But it, but it is something that's uh, it's, it's a good representation of the people. Judge, can you talk about like the? I know there's you're in the Supreme Court, but there's also the Court of Appeals. Isn't that a, a that doesn't Mississippi? That's a newer court, isn't it? It's not as it's not as old. It, it is uh, the, the Court of Appeals. The Supreme Court is a constitutional court, right? The Court of Appeals was formed. Oh, I don't know how long ago now, but it's it's getting on up there now. But uh, by by the legislature, but they were formed to be part of our appellate court system. So the way it works in Mississippi, if there's an appeal from a trial court, all those appeals are made to the Mississippi Supreme Court. And then we decide whether we keep them or what they refer to as deflect them to the Court of Appeals. And the vast majority of cases are deflected to the Court of Appeals. And then, uh, and the reason is we have certain matters we have to keep. Then there are certain matters that are of significant importance for bigger picture questions. And we'll keep those. Others that just have to do with maybe the facts of a case or particular legal issues, they'll be deflected to the Court of Appeals, and they have a right to file a petition after that to ask us to hear it if they feel like there's an important enough You still get a chance in front of the Supreme Court if you think you need one. Yes, you still get a chance to at least have us decide whether we will will hear it. Nobody nobody has to end uh, their attempts at the Court of Appeals. And, and kind of one of your, yeah. sorry to, but one of back to what you said about the the compromise that I think Mississippi kind of made regarding appointed and elected judges, you know Mississippians like to elect. That's right. Their positions. <laughs> Everything. And uh, I think if you were to ask judges, the ones that want to be judge are glad we elect them, and the ones that are already judges wish they were lifelong appointments. Uh, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I think Mississippi went for the compromise, which was we elect them, but we elect our Supreme Court justices for mm-hmm. eight years. And that way, you don't have the pressure of an election every four years, right around the corner. But yet, you still have to answer to the electorate because I want to be able to tell them I did what I promised, which is follow the law, let the legislature make the law, and then let me interpret and help apply the law. So, um, are you one of the? I, I mean, you may know this. Is there anybody else from DeSoto County that's been on the court, Supreme Court? Are you the first one? To my knowledge, I am the first lifelong DeSoto County to be okay. on the court now. Uh, my wife has talked to, the, uh, I think, uh, Benjamin Ballard over here in town. Yeah, yeah he's got her that there was somebody <laughs> that uh, lived in DeSoto County at one time that made it to the court. And I know he's kind of stealing my thunder. So I, I, <laughs> you told, him, off, did you? I told him, Benjamin, I said, just because they drove through here and filled up their gas tank doesn't make them DeSoto County. But uh, yeah. uh, as far as I know, I'm the only lifelong uh, resident to, or, or, you know, longtime resident to. And, and what so what's your schedule look like? I know I, I kind of know because I've talked to you, but you come you go down like on Tuesday and come back on Thursday typically, or yeah, generally I'm working. Generally I'm in Hernando working from home Monday, Fridays. Y'all can see from your setups yeah. here if you got your computer hooked up uh, remotely, it's just like sitting at my desk. 
in in uh, Jackson. However, it's not the same in dealing with the people you right. have to deal with. So I usually go down Tuesday morning, come back Thursday, hopefully get home by dinner time. There you go. And, uh, and then, like I say, Monday and Friday are generally from the home. And get to what, drive that Interstate 55. Ain't that a terrible drive? I hate that drive. The Interstate 55, <laughs> 180 twice a week. So uh, yeah, That's right. That's right. 100, 180 miles. E- easiest drive to make and the most boring. So. <laughs> do, do y'all have any uh, input like on court rules and stuff? Does the Supreme Court do that or is that? Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. Most, most of our court rules are set by the Supreme Court. That's what court. I thought, yeah. Now, depending on what we're working on, we will have advisory committees to give us advice or, or we'll have uh, people give us help or give us input and they always go out for comment mm-hmm. uh, to be commented on by the various courts or sometimes prosecutors and defense lawyers if we or thinking about some criminal rules, but almost all the actual rules, other than the quote-unquote local rules, are pretty much established by the court. Okay. What do you feel like is, it, you, when, when you talk to people and you tell them what you do, uh, what, do you, what are the most common misperceptions or misconceptions that, uh, about, what, about what y'all do? When I tell them what we do now, the, there, there are two very common misconceptions when I say I'm a member of the Mississippi Supreme Court. One of them is... Are we going to hear this case or that case? You know, some, I don't know, some <coughs> national mm-hmm. issue that's going on in some other state. You know, issues to do. I don't know. Are we going to hear something to do with Donald Trump or Joe Biden? Or No, mm-hmm. no, no. We don't, we don't do that. That's not our court. Uh, the other misconception is they think we're down there uh, taking witnesses and, and hearing right. testimony, and well, which is, of course, the job that I did as circuit judge. But... Uh, we, we usually deal with the cold hard transcripts and the argues coming and making the lawyers coming and making arguments now. And it, I find it interesting that uh, so you've worked in two different branches of government. You've worked in the legislative side as a state senator, and and you're trying to uh, you know author bills. You're trying to come up with ideas when you're right. in that role, right? And now you're on the uh, side of uh, potentially. I guess if there was a bill that was passed and the constitutionality of it. Came into question, it would somehow, you know, end up in, in, in potentially in front of you, in, in front of y'all. Right. Well, the as I you know, served in the as a legislature legislator and been an attorney previously. I, if I could just be a lobbyist, I would have three of the most uh, maligned <laughs> professions uh, that there are. But it does. It, it uh, you know sometimes when we're deciding not only the constitutionality of a law but construction of the law and making sure that we are interpreting it correctly. That institutional knowledge of being in the legislature and, and knowing the process of making the bill, because we don't have what they call legislative history. Mm-hmm. You know, Congress, I think, does. We don't have where you can go back and see what all the debates were, what the compromises might or might not have been, and, and mm-hmm. any of that. So kind of having an idea of how those bills are made into laws helps me when we're doing construction of statutes and, of course, when we're dealing with constitutionality. But... The constitutionality will go, you know, more to we've got to step away from how it was made and, and just say, hey, is what they put on the table right. constitutional or not? Whereas when we're interpreting the statute, sometimes how they were constructed have a little more to do with it. So what what are some of the cases that you automatically, like, is that like death penalty cases and things like that, appeals that automatically come to the Supreme Court or? Yes, we're going to keep any, we're going to automatically, and there's a list of five, six, I think, well, they're more like eight or so, I think, but uh we don't see some of them, but we're gonna we're gonna keep death penalty cases. Uh, there's some others, I believe, annex, annexation cases, automatically. Sure, there are sure. several others, and then under our discretionary, we're gonna keep any that have been up to us in some fashion previously, yeah. 
or matters that we can see are of importance and things like that. When you think back on your time, you know, through, you know, years and years of service here, Hernando's changed quite a bit um, over the time. And, and, you know, certainly there's good and bad that comes with that a lot of times. But, uh, you know, how do you think uh, Hernando's positioned, um, you know, for the future? I mean, there's obviously been a lot of growth here, but, you know, are you excited about the future for Hernando and kind of what's what's uh, going forward for the for the city and the oh, area? I mean, very excited. I, I know I've said this repeatedly, but I mean, I grew up, like I said, two blocks from here, lived here my whole life. I've seen it when, you know, there was still, I, I'm not as far back as having gravel roads all over the square. <laughs> right. My dad was telling me about how it was uh, in the day this morning, but yeah. No, I'm very excited. I mean, of course, you know, you got more, you got a vibrant community, see some of our parks, and I think I'm like everybody, infrastructure is, is like, oh my gosh, we got to, thinking ahead of that is such a tough game when you have to deal with the bureaucracy that goes with, you know, what, what is y'all having to do stuff, dot having to do stuff. I, I know that's a, I know it's a tough game that you guys yeah, have to deal right. with. I'm hopeful that we'll keep up on that level because I, I think the sky's the limit for Hernando as long as we, you know, provide the, the amenities and, and, and keep keep this traffic flow. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to. Look, looking out the window at 51 over there, I, I see some of it going by. There is a, there, we definitely have a lot going on here in Hernando, but we're, we, we, Chad and always, uh, Chad and I always mention this good problems. Yeah. The, exactly. the things that we deal with here. And, and I know you, you know, you travel the state and you sort of see kind of, you know, some of these areas where they would be excited to have two gas stations going in at the same time oh. in some of these smaller cities. And we're, <laughs> well, when I was uh, to go back to the legislature days, the hardest thing in the legislature was sitting down and having to look at you and go, you're from DeSoto County. What yeah. do you need money for from the state? <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. we still got the same problems everybody else does. We're very yeah. happy that, uh, you know, some things have gone our way, and I'm thrilled that they have. But it was always <laughs> funny. They would they would look at us. I still and, like and that. It was, it was well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, and it's more of a fight. Uh, you know, for those of us that they pictured as coming from areas that were more affluent and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and like, hey, we have some of the same problems everybody has. And, and uh, it was always kind of kind of humorous, not so humorous when you're the one trying to convince them. But uh, Yeah. I think the other thing that, uh, when, you know, when you think about people have, you know, positions like yourself, you get to sit in one of these seats, right? You, there's, there's people that have probably, you know, there's attorneys statewide. They're like, man, I hope I can sit in one of those seats one day or, you know, whatever else. Is there any kind of anything that's really unique or anything that's really special that you've remembered, you know, from your time? Like, wow, I can't believe I'm in this moment or that I'm getting to do this thing in this, in this time. I don't know if that makes sense or not. But, well, I think I know where you're coming from in the sense, I mean, I, well, I do that all the time. I think how, I mean, I can just go back. Your show's not long enough for me to go back and recount the times that I think I've been, the luckiest, uh, not the luckiest man on earth, the luckiest man <laughs> in my profession. Mm-hmm. I've had uh, a lot of good breaks and a lot of good people help me. But I will, I will, oh, especially I've mentioned that 180-mile drive twice yeah, a week. Yeah. I get a lot of time to think. <laughs> and, and I'll think very often about, hey, I'm, I'm very fortunate. And what comes with that is realizing the responsibility. I'm very fortunate to have this position. But what I'm very fortunate to get to do is make these decisions on legal issues that you know, it takes five out of nine of us, and extremely, extremely important cases are decided that can ultimately decide. Absolutely. Uh, you know, when someone Life or dies or, yeah. or goes mm-hmm. to prison or doesn't, monetary issues, child custody issues. So I, I, I respect very much the responsibility, but I'm very honored to be allowed to do it and think about that quite often. 
And what's it like to be, uh, you know, Chad and I are on the board of aldermen. We can never have more than three of us together and discuss city business at any given time or anything. Are there rules like that for y'all? Are y'all able to discuss things outside of? We are able to discuss them because deliberations, of course, Mm -hmm. are allowed to be secret. They're not, you know, they're not subject to open meeting laws for, for obvious reasons, I think. But I've never had it come up where there would be a quorum. Mm-hmm. You know, of yeah, us five y'all together somewhere sitting around discussing cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may or may not find ourselves in a room. You know, uh, sure, just, just chit chatting as we see each other in the halls. But no, we we, we have rules that, go, that govern our internal uh, matters. But as far as some of us getting together and, and chit chatting about a case, we certainly are allowed and do that very often. Judge, I want to talk to you a little bit about drug court. I think you were the over drug court for quite a, quite a bit of time, and I think maybe one of the first ones in the state. Not the first, but one of the first ones, I think, right? right? right. Um, just talk about that program and maybe how, how you think it's affected people. Because I mean, you, just like me, I always see the bad cases because they come back to jail. You probably see the bad <laughs> case and they come back in front of you, right? So maybe talk about that a minute and how that program has, has evolved and I really think turned to a really good program now. Absolutely, absolutely. I'll start with um – you know, when I ran 2016 for the Supreme Court, it was to pl- replace Ann Lamar, who was yes. retiring. She had been a circuit judge previously, and she and I started the 17th Circuit Court, Drug Court, in, oh my goodness, I think it was 2006, right about that time. And Drug Court, in my opinion, and you know, people doing it have to run it correctly, and it's got to be done appropriately. I tell people all the time, it's not what some people would derogatorily refer to as a hug-a-thug program. <laughs> uh, I can't tell you the number of people who declined to go to drug court because they felt like they, it was a trap to get them to prison. That's right. Uh, yeah. So we were very proud of, of that. Drug court, when run properly, I believe is the best thing our criminal justice system has going forward because this is not tied to statistics. Um, this is not tied to specific statistics. But I would almost guarantee you that 90-something percent of the crimes that I saw in the, were tied in some manner to drugs or drug addiction or drug abuse. And that's not just drug sales and possessions. I'm talking about domestic violence cases, assault yeah. cases. What, what, I always tell, for drugs. Yeah, what I always tell, they're either having drugs, fighting over drugs, <laughs> or, or stealing over drugs. That's, and right. that's now, really about people, all of them. There are, there are some cases that involve people who might be like a fast or something else, but... <laughs> But the vast majority are, are drug-related cases, and the drug courts give people, you know, we would tell them we're not going to give up on you, on you, you give up on yourself. Yeah, you, you told them that a lot of times, absolutely. You take your drug test, you fail it, you get your sanction. Usually that was some type of jail sanction. Go back, you attend your treatment, don't attend your treatment, go to jail. Don't pass a drug test, you would get a jail sanction. But you work your way through and do right through periods of time, and you would have to come to court less, and you get a little free... First, first, what we called the the first, first thing called the second phase, but the first real nine months came to court every week. Drug tests at least randomly, at least twice a week. Couldn't go. I mean, you 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 were on house arrest basically, except for going to work. Yeah. And technically, it wasn't on house arrest, but you weren't allowed to go out of the state or to go overnight places. Well, you make it through that to the second nine months, and some of that loosened up a little bit, and and then at the end, you were pretty much free as far as probationary period, except for random drug screens. Uh, to make sure that you had a, a grip. We always, nothing makes me feel better than some of the examples I've seen of people that have gone through it that people were like, we, we, we don't know what to do. We don't think that these, we don't think they're ever going to make it. We don't think they're ever getting off drugs. But look, we'll give them a chance with, with this drug court to right. see and, and, and to see the success that they've had. 
some of the biggest impacts I've seen is like the when you go to the graduation, the drug court graduations, and I think y'all uh, you were involved with a bunch of those. They they would show their mug shot when they first came to jail the first time, and then how they're you know this is mm. four, sometimes four or five years later, you know, and they've become a productive citizen, which I think it's all about is getting back and be a productive citizen in life. So. Well, our former drug court coordinator Craig Sheely came up with that, and I tell you the laughter, the laughter of seeing people when they'd see some of those photos and then see it now because they don't necessarily some of them yeah. don't necessarily see the changes that's gradually happening. Although I'm mm-hmm. sure their families have pointed it out, and I, it, it gets funny. They would come in a new person in drug court and they'd fail a test and they would come up with one. Oh, I was riding with a friend who was smoking. Of course, they never <laughs> think ahead that being with somebody with drugs was a violation yeah. anyway. But yeah. I was riding. I'd say I believe you. Turn around and tell everybody else in the audience that story. <laughs> they tell them they just start laughing. They take the mattresses. We've tried all those stories. Y'all, you can save all that. They're not falling for any of this mess. Yeah, but I think I think that's a very successful program, and so that's Appreciate I think it's it's grown to be. I think maybe 400, 500 people in that program now. It's right, huge. and let me say, I think since I have left it, it has continued its success, and I think it's a great program ran by a very good people. Yeah, yeah. So when you're not when you're not working, right? So when you get the little bit of downtime that you get, what's your uh, what's your go to? Is it hobbies? What do you what do you like to what do you like to get into on the weekends? What's the I, surely you don't want to read anything because like that's all you do. But you know it's interesting. I I, I, I try when I try to read something that's definitely not uh, nonfiction. I definitely want to read a novel about something that's totally yeah. away from anything. But I, I enjoy. Uh, of course, I'm a big college football fan, big Ole Miss fan. And what's wrong uh, with our baseball team? I, 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 I wish I knew the answer to that. I'm, still, I'm wearing my national championship shirt as much as I can the next week or so since we're not going to make it to the yeah. tournament. But uh, college football, I follow a lot of college football. I try to get out once a year to snow ski because I really enjoy that and carry my son, and he gets a big kick out of that and, and have a lot of fun. Lays around, piddle in the yard a good bit. I uh, like to get up to town so far. Good restaurants and all, but uh, but that's about it. Nothing exciting or I try not to invest in any time-consuming hobby because uh, I don't know that I'll dedicate the time to it. That's right. I mean, yeah, now, you you were reading some poetry or something on Facebook a couple of times. I've seen some mm-hmm. of that. Yes, uh, poolside poetry, but as it went on, I had to call it poolside poetry by the fireplace and poolside poetry in the snow. I started that during the middle of the COVID shutdowns. And uh, uh, Jabberwocky, I think, is probably going to be kick out of it. I felt like... His people were so down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, look, if they can have two minutes laughing at me or laughing with me, either one, that's what I said when I read the, said read several of them, but if they can have a minute, if they can just a minute or two just to think things are kind of funny and normal again, like I said, I didn't care if they were laughing at me or laughing with me and hopefully enjoy some some quality poetry for some, from some great poets. And I did it all through COVID and then I kind of slowed it down when COVID started to, and people are like, hey, when are you going to read your, your next poem? So it's it's not as often, but I'm yeah. still I'm still doing it. You got it. a fan base. Feel, what it is. feel free to get on Facebook and check out some poolside poetry. I like it. I like it. Well, we certainly appreciate you coming in and and, and sitting down with us. And we know that your time's uh, you know. Ooh, I got very, one very more valuable. question. Oh yeah, so, he's always get, he always does. So that. I saw yesterday was Old Miss Law School's graduation. What advice would you give a young attorney coming oh, out of law question. school right that's now? Great, that's a great question. Look, I'm gonna sit over here. The stuff you'd say, I mean, work hard, and yeah, of yeah, course, yeah, I mean, yeah. Go, yeah, work hard. What career path would you, you think would be a good? Couple things choose? I would tell you first: the most important thing for a young lawyer is to get to know an older lawyer. 
no matter what you're going to do as a lawyer, go sit in the courtrooms and kind of see what happens. It's not like television. They don't come back with DNA results over commercial break. I mean, it's it's a difficult profession. So I would say get an older lawyer to kind of mentor, go to work for, ask questions because, you know, people think sometimes that they're bothering someone. I've always been thrilled to answer questions for younger lawyers and tried not to say I don't know too many times. But, yeah, get get, get a mentor learn from them, and apply that. As far as the career path, I, I mean, I thought my career path was good. I got in with some experienced lawyers. And then you kind of decide which direction you're going to go. You what know, you're interested in so or whatever. I didn't sit and think I was going to be on the Mississippi Supreme Court when I first got that law degree. I, I had hopes to work up. I actually had some hopes regarding the legislature and all. But, uh, but as far as becoming circuit judge and Supreme Court justice, those are things that kind of, came into being as I went through my career. So get in there. Don't don't tie yourself down to one thing. You know, keep your options open because law has so many different areas. Well, we certainly appreciate you coming and sitting down with us. And, uh, you know, we are, we have uh, done, this is our seventh episode That's now. Right. Um, so we are, uh, and we we just found out we're getting renewed for season two. <laughs> I guess that, I guess that, is that what, is that the... That's yeah, the that's the word. That's the word. Season two is coming. So 10, 10 episodes per season. we got a few more coming up. Uh, like we mentioned earlier in our broadcast, we'll have State Auditor Shad White uh, coming to coming to visit with us. Uh, we'll next have time. John at some point, too. We can probably say that, can't we? Which one? John oh, Caldwell. John Caldwell. Yeah, we'll have John yeah. Caldwell. Because uh, Judge Chamberlain and John Caldwell are the only two DeSoto Countyans in some kind of state-level state, state level office. And so. we represent a similar, not sure if they're identical, but they're very similar districts. Yeah. Like I said, my district's 33 counties in the north section. Uh, about north of 82, right? But is that about yeah. right? Uh, yeah, more, more or less. It, you know, it dips and lets in a little bit, but uh, yeah, more or less. So we've got some uh, exciting guests still uh, left on this first season of the Boardroom Podcast with Ben Piper and Chad Wicker. We have State Supreme Court Justice Bobby Chamberlain with us. We thank him for coming in with us. Uh, we thank you all for listening, and we will uh, talk to you again later on. Thank you for joining us for an episode of the Boardroom Podcast, presented by People for a Better DeSoto County. I hope we were able to inform you and give you some additional insight on how your local government works. Stay engaged. Local government is the closest to the people. Train.